So, two hunters out in the woods, strolling along, when they encounter a bear that was so big, they had never seen, even imagined that a bear could get this big. In their fear, they dropped their rifles and they ran for cover. One man climbed a tree while the other hid in a nearby cave. Now, the bear was in no hurry to eat, so he just sat down between the tree and the cave, probably reflecting upon his good fortune. Suddenly, and for no apparent reason, the hunter in the cave came rushing out. And he almost ran into the bear outside the cave. And so he hesitated and he ran back into the cave. After a moment, he ran out of the cave towards the bear, stopped again, ran inside. This continued to happen. And finally, the hunter who was up in the tree said, What a are you crazy? What are you doing? Stay in the cave until the bear leaves. Now, by this time, Woody's panting, and he says, can't another bear in the cave. <laughs> My friends, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're just running back and forth between two bears. And like no matter what you do, you just can't escape from the difficulties and the troubles that are in your life. Oftentimes, our rushing around trying to deal with our problems only makes our problems worse. An example. A photographer for a national magazine was assigned to get photos of a great forest fire. Smoke at the scene hampered him, and so he called the home office and said, hey, you need to hire a plane. Arrangements were made, and he was told to go immediately to a nearby airport and that there would be a small plane there waiting for him. Sure enough, when he arrived at the airport, there was a plane uh, near the runway, and it was warming up. And so he jumped in. He jumped in with all of his equipment, and he yelled, let's go, let's go, let's go. The pilot swung the plane into the wind, and soon they were in the air. The photographer then says, all right, fly over the north side of the fire, and then make three or four four low-level passes. And the pilot said, why? Well, the photographer said, well, because I'm a photographer. And as a photographer, I take photographs. You know, pictures. After a long pause, the pilot said, you mean you're not the flight instructor? <laughs> yeah, when we rush into our problems, sometimes we make them worse. You know, there's an old seafaring tradition, right? And that is when a ship sinks, the captain should do what? Go down with the ship, right? 
Now, I'll tell you what, I don't know anything about sailing or being out in a boat on the sea, but I don't know. I don't know if that's a great tradition. I mean, I get it, right? Like, if you're the captain and you're in charge and you might have been the reason well, the, the ship's sinking because we hit an iceberg. But do you really have to go down with the ship? Can you just make sure everybody's safe and then you can get onto a lifeboat as well? I think that might actually be a better tradition, don't you? I say that because, you know, many Christians are in danger of having their spiritual lives sunk by an onslaught of difficulties, by an onslaught of the storms of life. And so sometimes there's almost like a sense of, hey, it's going down, might as well just go down with it. An attitude that just says, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to fix this. And so it's a storm of discouragement and a storm of despair, a, a storm of disbelief that just threatens to sink us and to take us down with the ship. But I'm here to tell you that there is nothing noble about a senseless spiritual death. Peter's example has much to teach us how to find this lifeboat. What a wonderful story. One night Peter and the disciples were out on the sea. Well, it's interesting. They were sent there by Jesus. Did you find that interesting here? Jesus is like, okay, I'm really kind of tired of people right now. I dismissed the crowds, and guess what, disciples? Y'all just get on the boat and wait for me. I'm going to go up the hill for some quiet time and some prayer time. And that's what they do. The only thing is that when Jesus is up praying, the winds pick up and a storm begins to blow. And Jesus walks on water out to the boat in the midst of a storm. Now, when the disciples see this, they're frightened because what person walks on water? I mean, this is just so, it must mean this has to be a ghost. I mean, that has to be the explanation. And Jesus says, no, no, it's me. It's okay. You know, be at peace. And then Peter says, well, you know, if it really is you, Lord, why don't you ask me to come out there? So Jesus says, all right, Peter, come on, come on out. And so that's what he does. He comes right out. Now, I think this is interesting. I hope you don't miss this point, right? And the point is this. Y'all, Peter at least had enough faith to get out of the boat. Do you? I mean, we judge Peter, but is that what you would do? I mean, yeah, that boat might be swamped. It might even be sinking, but it's still something you know you can hang on to. But no, he stepped out of the boat. Friends, take heart. When we find ourselves caught in the storms of life, storms that threaten to sink us, Jesus will always come to us. And Jesus is not just content just to come to us, but then something else happens. Jesus says, no, 
you can come to me as well. He doesn't want us to go down with the ship. So what does he do? He calls us out of the ship because Jesus is the lifeboat. Jesus calls us out of the ship. And what we have now is we have faith and works, faith and actions working together. I would submit to you that faith and action are the same coin, just different sides, right? What does James say? Faith without works is a dead faith. And I find it interesting that William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said it this way, faith and works should travel side by side, step answering to step. First, faith, and then works and action. Faith and action, faith and action. Until you can't even distinguish which one is faith and which one is action because they just go together. You know, like Peter, we've gotta be willing to hear the voice of Jesus and to step out of the boat. You know, the African Impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet in the air and a distance of 30 feet. I mean, this is a, an athlete in the animal world, all right? Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in every zoo with a three-foot wall. Do you know why? These animals will not jump if they cannot see where they're going to land. My, my friends, faith is the ability to trust in that which we cannot see. And so many times fear grabs us. And then fear actually becomes the absence of faith. Romans 1.17 says the righteous will live by faith. You know, Peter boldly stepped out of the boat by faith and then boldly began to walk on the water to Jesus. But you know, his triumph quickly faded. His triumph quickly turned to tragedy when he focused. He shifted his focus. He shifted from focusing on Christ to then what? He started looking at the storm. He started feeling the waves and the water. And what happened when that happened? He began to sink. My friends, I really want you to think about this, okay? Ask yourself this question. Do you solve problems in your life by only focusing on the problem? Actually, you know, when you only focus on the problem, you make yourself more anxious. You bring about more emotional turmoil and pain. You bring about your own despair and depression when you just focus on the problem. But what if you have a problem? What if you are in a storm of life, a difficulty, and you don't really know the way out? 
And Jesus is right there. Now, when grace enters the picture, the storm hasn't gone away just yet, okay? It's still tossing and turning, but we can see Jesus. We have hope. When we focus on Jesus, we focus on a solution to the problem. Now, we can get creative. Now, God can do some things in our lives. Now, the Holy Spirit begins to open possibilities that were open before because we couldn't see them because of our anxiety of being focused on the storm. Well, that's exactly what happens here to Peter. He takes his focus off of Christ and he puts his focus on the crisis. And he gets in trouble. And what does he do? He starts to sink into the crisis, into the storm. The storm is going to swallow him up. But there's something beautiful here. There's still grace. Not only did Jesus come out to us in the storm, but Jesus is right there. And what does Peter do? He says a very powerful prayer, doesn't he? Lord, save me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I bet you have. We all have at some point in our lives. Lord, save me. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He reaches out a hand and he pulls Peter back up. And that's the promise for us as well. You know, it was a fog-shrouded morning on July 4th 1952, when a young swimmer named Florence Chadwick waded into the waters off of Catalina Island. She intended to swim the channel from the island to the California coast. Long distance was nothing new to her. She had been the first woman to swim the English Channel, and she did it in both directions. The water on that day was numbingly cold. And the fog was so thick that she could hardly see the boats in her party. Several times, great white sharks got curious and came towards her, and they had to scare them away with rifle fire. She swam, get this, for more than 15 hours before she asked to be taken out of the water. Her trainer tried to encourage her to continue swimming since they were so close to land. But when Florence looked, all she could see was fog. She quit. She quit only a mile from her goal. Later, she said, I'm not excusing myself, but I know that if I could have seen land, I would have made it. My friends, it wasn't the cold or fear or exhaustion that caused Florence Chadwick to fail. It was what? It was the fog. Many times we fail for the exact same reason. We fail because we lose our focus on Jesus Christ. Two months, late, two months later, Florence Chadwick walked off that same beach into the same channel 
and swam the distance. She even set a new speed record. And she did it on a fog-free day when she could see the land. My friends, we cannot afford to allow the storms of our life to keep us from focusing on Jesus. Never focus on the crisis. Focus on the Christ. We may find ourselves like Peter, having stepped out in faith into the storm and then lost our focus. You know what? It happens. There's always time to refocus. There's always time to say, okay, Lord, save me. You know, Martin Luther said, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. A short, heartfelt prayer can be one of the most powerful prayers we ever pray. After Jesus rescued Peter, they walked back to the boat and they got in. And the moment that Jesus entered the boat, the storm, or the scriptures tell us that the storm lost its power. The winds died down. You know, the storms of life are powerless when Jesus fills our lives. Now, does this really mean that everything's going to be rosy and we're always going to be great? And the answer is no. Some of you came to church today for just the simple reason <coughs> that you're in a storm of your life and you're just out of options. You don't know what you want to do. You came here going, I don't know where to focus. And then there are those of you that are here today who maybe you're not in a storm, but you know what? A storm's coming. How do I know that? Is it because I have prophetic powers? No. Because I'm a human being. And this is the cycle of life that we find ourselves in. Storms caught between storms, in a storm right now. But I do know that you gotta focus on Jesus. You know, there was a king who offered a prize to the artist who could paint the best picture of peace. He actually had hundreds of people submitted their artwork. And there were two paintings that made it down to the final selection for the king. The first painting was one that you would probably think of if you thought about a peaceful, serene, calming setting. And it was a setting of these beautiful mountains, high with capped with snow, and there were these fluffy white clouds and a blue sky, and they were a reflection on a crystal clear lake, not a ripple on that lake. Beautiful rocks and trees and grass. Kind of what you would think of when you think of what would be peaceful, a peaceful place to be. Now, this was in stark contrast to the second painting because the second painting was an angry sky. It was dark and gray with a flash of lightning. And it was a on these cliffs that were jagged. And on these jagged cliffs, there was a waterfall. It was white water just rushing down. 
Do you know which painting the king chose? He chose the second one. And then he explained, here's why I chose the second one. Look closely at that cliff, that jagged cliff. There was a scrawny little tree growing out. And on that tree, there was a nest. And in that nest, there was a mama bird taking care of two baby birds. And the king said this, to have peace doesn't mean you have the absence of crisis. To have peace means that you have the presence of Jesus Christ. In the middle of all those things, you can still have calm in your heart even though you have a storm raging around you. That is true peace. That is what peace in our lives can look like. It's not always great and serene, but what it means is we're being taken care of even in the midst of the difficulties of the life that we live. My friends, the storms of life, they will come. But remember this. When Christ calls you out of the boat, obey. When storms distract you, pray. And when Christ comes with peace, let him stay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.